Hey everyone, my name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another special episode of Make Ours Marvel, we like to call Not Comics. This is our 19th Not Comics special, which means Stephen King will be very proud of our progress toward the Dark Tower. <laughs> and we are joined once again to talk about an X-Men film because there's no new Marvel stuff. No, nothing new. Nothing new. So we're doing X-Men movies with Sarah Century. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Welcome Sarah. back to the show. Yeah, I'm glad to be here to talk about this bonkers movie. <laughs> you're, you're, you're just like a regular thing now. We need to give you your own couch. Oh, that's yeah. right. I do need one. You, can, you can't have this one. I'm sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> she can have yeah, the I'm... gray upholstered couch. <laughs> I'm currently sitting on kind of a broken office chair that's like almost a couch. Yeah, sorry. That's all we've got for you know, <laughs> guests right now. We're working on it. We're working on it. Hey, y'all can give us money. We'll get Sarah a couch. I don't even that's know That's right. Means. Um, so yeah, we're here to talk about X-Men Days of Future Past, the 2014 film that rocked our socks. <laughs> At least my socks were rocked. Um, and it's, yeah, where should we start with this? Uh, how did you first watch it? When was the first time you watched it? Uh, for me, I'm pretty sure, I know it was the theater, so 2014. And then I've subsequently watched it a few times on TV. And, of course, I watched it for tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember enjoying it. I don't know. It's not. I don't know. There's, like, maybe some issues with it that make me scratch my head. But we can get into that. But, yeah, I thought it was big, epic, kind of fun to see, like, all these X people doing their thing and in a way that we hadn't really before. Mm-hmm. Um, at least power-wise. Yes. Uh, and, of course, it's the first time that this whole uh, Singerverse version and the... Uh, what are they called? The first class version kind of joined together and muck everything up. So that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was like a continuity explosion. <laughs> what about you guys? So I just watched it actually um, yesterday. So I have very fresh memories of it, but also, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. I kind of went into this one uh, so baffled as a comic fan because every single character gets switched out, I guess. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. all of the characters are doing different things. And, of course, like, the whole setup is kind of like, and now Wolverine. <laughs> right. He's the one. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of baffling. But if you just kind of kick back and enjoy the ride, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I remember coming out of first class feeling really good about what they had done with a few exceptions. I feel like this one didn't have nearly as many exceptions. And like, I hadn't, I hadn't read days of future past when I saw this, I just had the the vague impression of how it was supposed to work. Um, so I think seeing this helped to inspire me to get back into an X-Men or to get into an X-Men read through when I started doing X-Men, uh, when I started getting into comics again, well, no, by this point, I was already back into comics. I don't think mm-hmm. I was doing an X-Men read-through yet, though. Anyways, that sure. doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I, it does have like all the different people doing all the things you expect. There's mm-hmm. somebody trying to kill somebody. There's somebody going back <laughs> in time to stop them. If they don't stop them, the Sentinels happen. And so like all the stuff was happening. It was just like Mad Lib name change around. Oh, well, totally. 
Because it was continuing to star the people that have been starring this whole time. So Right, the four characters. <laughs> right, basically the Magneto and the Professor X and the Wolverine. And, and uh, Mystique. And Mystique. So yeah. it's like, let's just keep that going. And yeah, we had Ellen Page skating with Bobby in some movie, but she can't carry the whole movie being like the person that actually goes back in time and stuff. So we need Wolverine to do it. We gotta have Wolverine because people need to watch a dude do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yet, what if, what if what if Ellen Page had just done it? What if it was just Ellen Page? But at the same time, I'm torn because I do like Hugh Jackman Wolverine. A of lot. course. So Fair enough. it's like it's kind of cool that see him go back and be bone clawed. He is, after all, a huge jacked man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. either way, it would have been cool. Sure. Um, I. Yeah, I, I mean, everybody it, wants Wolverine. It's kind of like you almost can't blame them because, of course, the whole fan base or, you know, the whole people going to these movies want to see Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Right. So if he stayed behind just smoking the cigar while they did all the work, I don't know if that would have been as exciting for people. Yeah, but I don't know. It's part of, I think, like people's argument, too, though, is as X-Men fans, we all always like really love the ensemble of X-Men. Yes. And so whenever you watch these movies, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of older X-Men fans or people who have been reading it for a while or people who even I guess who just came in because Hickman's stuff is bonkers but like yeah. a bunch of people um, you know we love it because there's so many characters and there's so much focus on all of the characters and so it is always yeah I get that Hollywood is a different world you know um, but also sometimes I kind of wish that it was just Kate Pride. And also that storyline has such a lot to do with the foundational understanding that I have of the X-Men, which I was reading whenever I was like 10 years old. So, of course, I have a different feeling about it, sort of. But also, yeah, I'm never going to argue against Wolverine just doing claw stuff, I guess. (laughs) I I think I meant more like the audience being, you know, the $747 million worth of audience, probably that don't read X-Men comics. Like, obviously, us X-Men fans would be perfectly fine with a Kitty Pride in, you know, starred movie. I'd I'd be front row, but... Mm-hmm. Well, not front row, because that really cranes your neck. But you know what I mean. First in line, <laughs> anyway. But the but, X-Men uh, cartoon was really successful, and it was bonkers yeah. X-Men continuity. <laughs> so, That's true. And this is bonkers. Like, this is nuts, you know? Like, it's definitely characters all over the place that you're... Who... I'm sorry, who is Blink? <laughs> like, what's yeah. happening? Yeah, yeah, the stuff in the future, they're just like, by the way, it's been a while. You don't know everybody. You don't know how Wolverine got his metal groove back. You don't know how Rogue got her powers back. You don't know who Blake and B- Blake, Blink and Bishop are. But you know what? You don't have to because it's the future. Right. Or how did how did Wolverine get his claw? Or did he ever show his claws in the future? I don't remember. Yeah. yeah he, did he? He, he? Yeah. So he got him back from the last movie we watched. Since, yeah, which, you know, the Wolverine was just present day, but this is like, like, you know, dark future. So (laughs) I initially thought maybe we'd get into the continuity some other time or like later (laughs) in the show, but I actually think on a fresh brain, this might be better. (laughs) You're right. So what do you guys all think of the continuity? Because to me, that's the biggest, I don't know if it's a detriment, but definitely the biggest head scratcher for me is trying and failing miserably to line all these movies up now with this movie particularly like i don't really understand what happened exactly 
yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it too. In like a pleasant way. Yeah, like <laughs> in, a, in an X-Men way where like I don't really care that much. But right. at the same time, part of the nerd in, my, in me is like, can I work this out? Can I make this happen? Totally. Is, like, that, is, that, is that future that we saw an alternate future that's not the future of the movies we've been watching maybe? Like maybe it's a totally different <laughs> timeline and that's why he still has metal claws or uh-huh. something. Or is it supposed to be the future we've been watching? And if it is, like, how does, I don't know, how does Rogue, or how does Mystique get captured and tortured and then released so we can see X-Men's 1, 2, and 3? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Like, how does this line up? And what happened with Wolverine at the end? And why is everybody alive again? And I don't know. It was just, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, I feel like in so many of the movies so far, we've been kind of like, oh, well, this continuity super didn't make sense, lol. But here's how like that actually works in the movie. Uh-huh. And in this one, it's like, no, it just doesn't make sense. There's no like... Yeah. <laughs> there's like you, you, can, you can connect most of the major mechanics of it, but there are some motivational questions. Like, oh, totally. okay, so um, end of the film... To, to sort of connect this film going into the other stuff we know. End of the film has Mystique rescuing Logan from the lake. Okay. Um, so how does, how is that going to connect up with, right. you know, the beginning of X-Men? Um, but yeah. then also there's the whole, well, actually, no, this is a new timeline. We have created a new timeline. So X-Men, X2, and X3 are whatever they want to be now. Okay, right. so they never really happened, essentially. They never really happened, but but yet somehow something like them happened because everything looks like the ideal of what those three movies are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> we got there somehow, and like, then things didn't go bad. Like right. pretty much, pretty much just Xavier and First Class being disabled and them having a falling out when they're still in their twenties or whatever was the biggest continuity head scratcher up until this point. Because we had seen Xavier walking in X Men or in X Men Origins Wolverine, and we had seen mm-hmm. we had seen Ma- or both Magneto and Xavier as kind of forty year olds going to recruit Jean Grey, and so yeah. it's like, well, how did so how did this first class like on the beach falling out thing happen? Unless they got back together at some point, and then of course in this movie he's walking again, so you could explain, oh well, maybe he started walking again for a while, and we just didn't know about it, and then he got back in his chair again. I don't know, but then the end it's just like, nah. Don't even try, Mike. <laughs> just throw it all out because everybody's just alive again and pretty much what you knew is no longer somehow. Yeah, that's which totally was how I took it. I was and, like, all right. <laughs> and also I have to say, and I don't want to offend you because I know you love the Jean Grey and she is awesome, but I really liked the whole uh, um, him saying goodbye to her in the last movie we covered quite a bit. I found that to be a very like cool emotional scene. So to just kind of undo it like, eh, she's alive and we don't know why. That kind of sort of undermined things for me a little it bit. It undermines things for Jean, too, because she's alive and we don't know why is totally yeah. the story of Jean. So. Her story is not her story. Right. Ever. Yeah. Like, ever. We watch it again and again. So it's, it's interesting. It's just like I, his to be pawned over or, you know, pawed over or whatever. Pretty much, yeah. So or she's Cyclops. Here, but it was. Because he's alive, too. Right. Yeah, like his his only job is to say, "Keep your hands off my girl." Right, mm-hmm. which is which was his whole creepy boyfriend motivation for the first two movies. Which yeah. is super boring, and also not that much like Cyclops because no. Cyclops is dating Emma, and he's like, "What? You're having an affair with Namor? Whatever." I'm like, 
busy. Yeah, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy leading the X Men, and every day sucks for me. So what do I care? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we don't have a solution for the the continuity, but I just no. wanted to get that out of the way and explain that I don't understand it, and I guess that's okay. Yeah. Well, here's 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 another thing to think about is that in theory, at this point, we have a new timeline going forward. Mm-hmm. That they can build with the flashback films with the first class cast that in theory will eventually lead to this point in time. And right. then what do they do with Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix? <laughs> they they <kill> not that. <laughs> yeah. So, and so, we have another Dark Phoenix, which I haven't seen. So maybe I don't know, but how can we have two Dark Phoenix stories? But you right. know, in the comics after Dark Phoenix, Jean Grey came back. So you know, whatever. It, comics yeah. can happen. We can get here, but it is a little bit strange. <laughs> and then the weird thing is, is, I googled it like to see if any cool person created one of those neat infograph charts of timelines, and I found a bunch, uh-huh. and, and those didn't work for me either. So they're also I think there's really just, confusing. <laughs> I think there's just no solution, and whatever. That's yeah. the X Men for you, people. Yeah, I think I felt uh, kind of defeated in this one in that way of just being yeah. like, you know what? It doesn't matter anymore. Doesn't we don't matter. have to. We don't have to worry about it. Just, just they want you to gloss. They want you to gloss over it, hand wave it. Hey, look, it works. <laughs> See, mm-hmm. <laughs> we just showed you. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. Be but guess begins. what? Ends up on yours. So you know you're excited, right? Oh my god. <laughs> Dear God. And I was. I really, really was. Totally. Actually, that part, I was like, Which oh. Part? In the mid-credit. <laughs> mid-credit. Oh. oh uh, very, yeah. very, very le- end, of, end of the credits. Yes, yes. I always forget that exists. I actually walked away and then luckily came back in as that was happening. It's like, oh, <laughs> shoot. They avengered it. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Dark, Dark Future. I really like the opening <laughs> of this. Yeah, the um, opening is great. So you really the like the, the the slavery marches and Picard narrating everything. Mm-hmm. Y'all have that in the non road cut? Yep. Okay, yep. making sure. For yep. some reason oh. I feel like maybe that wasn't oh, there. So maybe tell the, the the listening public what the heck road cut versus non road cut is and that we've all watched different movies. Yeah, we've all watched different movies. So there are two cuts of this film that I know of. There's a theatrical release, which is like the standard film, and there's the road cut. And I honestly do not know if stuff with Rogue was added in for the Rogue cut or if stuff with Rogue was cut out and retwisted and retooled a little bit for the theatrical cut. I don't know which way it was, but there is a version of the film that's a little bit longer where Rogue has a hand to play in the last act of the film. It's not super significant, but it is there and it's cool because she wasn't even, she was not in the film or hardly in the film before. And she kind of, she was a big part of the franchise for the first three movies. Mm-hmm. So. Right. I saw this part where uh, Anna Packin said that she was, they, somebody interviewed her about her not really being in this movie. And she was like, it's fine. It was fun to shoot, whatever. <laughs> it's like, uh, I have true okay. blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm busy. It doesn't really matter. So in the theatrical, John, because I think you watched the other one, yeah? Mm-hmm. In the theatrical, all we get for Rogue is the very end when Wolverine's acclimating to this new environment that nobody understands. She comes out holding hands with Iceman, like kind of winks and smiles at him and walks away. That's the only Rogue appearance in the yep. theatrical cut. Okay, so here's the major difference. Okay. Um, at one point, uh, Wolverine is thrashing around with his claws, mm-hmm. and he slices Kitty Pride. Right. And so she starts bleeding, her arm starts bleeding, 
and she's getting weaker and weaker and apparently feverish and sweaty uh, while she's supporting Wolverine. And Bobby's like, okay, she can't do this much longer. She's losing blood. She's getting weak. And so they're like, okay, um, she's the only who can do this, though. And Bobby says, no, there's someone else who can take her power into it. So um, Rogue has been kept in the one place that Xavier's mind can't penetrate, which is inside Cerebro under his house. Mm. (laughs) So they lead a mission. And this is around the part of the film where um, Magneto is doing his like super cool dude march into the Sentinel facility. Uh-huh. Where he ends up like taking over the Sentinels and everything. Oh yeah, to get his um, helmet and all that. Yeah, to get his the thing where he goes to get his helmet. Yeah. So like as he's like walking down the hallway, we're cutting between that and X Men walking down the hallway in oh. um, Xavier's. So cool. they go in, they rescue Rogue from being experimented on because they're trying to get the Sentinels where they can use Rogue's abilities to take mutant abilities away mm-hmm. they're basically trying sure. to the signals with rogue what they originally did with mystique um they rescue her bobby dies in the process oh which um, makes me wonder what happens to bobby in the non-rogue cut because he totally gets sentinelled in this film oh he gets killed mm-hmm. okay he gets killed in both versions but you go ahead and then i'll tell you what happens to him so they get rogue back she leeches kitty pride and takes over the um time travel warblies with her hands and for the rest of the film she's the one sitting with logan not kitty <gasps> okay kitty just keeps getting screwed in this story <laughs> yeah so so in our version the slicing thing of kitty happens i you know Iceman ices her up and they all do worry about her but she just basically just gets sweatier and sweatier uh-huh they don't they don't try and replace her and then, you know, the bit where, like, the Sentinels finally show up and Magneto's out there being awesome and then he gets hurt and he goes back inside and they lock everything up. Iceman's in there with him. And when the Sentinels come to kill everybody, the two old guys look at Iceman and say, your time to die, buddy. And he goes, yep, I'm an X-Man. So he goes over there and he, <laughs> he ices up the wall as hard as he can. But, of course, they kill him. And then it rounds the corner and they're about to kill Magneto and all of them when the whole timeline resets. Okay, yeah. so... In the um, in the road cut, he's with the other people who are on this expedition with him, which I think are Magneto and one other. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bobby says, "Y'all go on ahead. I'll yeah. hold him off." Okay, and so, so probably way. all the shots are the same. Yeah, because Bobby's right. alone either way. So in either case, he sacrifices himself for the you know the others can keep going. Thanks, gotcha. Bobby. Yeah, and then so that's kind of cool that at the end he's alive and holding her hand and Wolverine's like, oh, hey, you're alive. (laughs) Not that Wolverine knew anything because he's unconscious the entire time on the table. but Right, this guy. Also, when Rogue takes over the time war blaze, um, Logan was unconscious and he wakes up and she says, hey, Logan, he says Rogue. And so there's this acknowledgement that they are aware of each other, at least for a split second, but then that's it. That's it. Keeps on going. How cool, though, man. Old old Logan coming out of that airplane with like super short hair and the gray chomping on a cigar. That was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> I like that. I liked it too. Uh, Logan was and, such a cool dude in this. The seventies were so cool. And let's let's <laughs> by the way, let's put a pin on that and compare it to old Logan and Logan and wonder why that doesn't compare. But we can get to that in <laughs> the next in that movie. Right. Uh, 
Um, anyway, so the there, two away, different cuts. Oh, yeah. I keep being like, the faraway future of 2023. Is that <laughs> like, when this... Okay, so did you guys think, like... I kind of felt like it looked so desolated. I don't know if they were just showing us like mutant camps in particular and everything else is cool. Or uh-huh. did the Sentinels just like destroy the entire world? Because it seemed like they destroyed the entire world. The general implication is, is that they destroyed the entire world because, you know, bigotry does that. So like, yeah, uh, like <laughs> even humans wouldn't want to live there. Look like real quick. It turns out every single time, like age of apocalypse, everybody's it turns into complete <laughs> Like, the whole world is, like, covered with dead bodies in the Age of Apocalypse by, like, three years or something. So. Yeah. I mean, like I every... New York City and I don't remember the, the the city in China. I think it might have just said China. Uh-huh. Um, and they looked, you know, very similarly desolate. Every so, like, X-Men future is just like, yeah, we're all going to be real screwed in, like, three years. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I was lazy and didn't read the comics. I thought I might try and read before the show tonight, but I seem to recall it was more like a detention center kind of future. Um, where no, they were still they had collars people. on their neck. No, oh, I know, yeah. but they, they like looked like they at least had regular world, a regular world, and the mutants were kind of locked up because of the Sentinels. Whereas this looked like the Sentinels just went rogue and killed everything. Sure, yeah, it's totally like a little bit more of like a Judge Dread future or whatever, where yeah. there's still a city going on. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. uh, there's you know not so great for mutants and also for the other Marvel heroes. It turns out. Well, I remember reading the, the stories tend to focus so much on the detention center and the hunting down the escapees that, like, uh-huh. you never really see civilization in right. uh, the days of future past world. All you see is the bad parts. And so I guess they extrapolate, well, everything is the bad parts. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I could believe it. Like, the robots just kept going too far and no one could stop them. Sure. Yeah. I Maybe. mean, it makes sense and everything. And then also the fact that, like, you know, as we watch, you know, a lot of fascism take hold. You see that there are people just still living their day-to-day lives alongside of that a lot of the time. I think that's true most of the time. Uh, but here it's, of course, of course, extremely exaggerated. Mm-hmm. So this is Wolverine before he gets his metal claws. So it's before the whole striker Weapon X thing. Yeah. Um. But it's 1973. It's the end of the Vietnam War, which he was in, right? We saw him sure. when he He's was in fighting in all the wars. <laughs> every, every war. war. <laughs> There's no so, war So just time. like the last movie, Sabretooth was in the next room. Sure. Yep. Because they... They were buddy buddies, but for some reason, every time there's a flashback, we never see him. Sabretooth <laughs> never stays till the next morning. He had already gone. Yeah, he had already gone. <laughs> so, um, and we don't know anything about Wolverine in this timeline because every time we see him with with except you know, with a five minute gaff excluded, he has our Wolverine's mind in his body. So, you know, whatever he was doing with you know <laughs> gangster's sister or whatever. Well, he's we being a bodyguard right now. He was being a bodyguard, but also apparently sleeping with the body he was trying to guard. So he Wolverine. was being a bad boy. Yeah. This guy every time. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, they really like the cigars, evidently. Yeah. yeah. And then we have Professor X, a drug addict. <laughs> yep. Um, and Down and Beast- out, Professor Xavier. <laughs> and Beast is an enabler. Uh huh. Always. And, um, <laughs> yeah. So that's what gets it going, getting those two, getting those three together. <laughs> so I was watching with this with Keenan, and this is his first time like 
to go through all the X-Men films, not as a small child. He's 10 years old. He was, you know, maybe nine when we started this project, but, um, <laughs> he's been watching them and he was watching. It's like, dad, how much time has passed since the last <laughs> film? And mm. I was like, well, it's funny you say that because <laughs> it's kind of like comics. It's been 10 years and 10 years worth of stuff has happened, but they're not 10 years older. <laughs> so oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you're right. Well, they, they've had a lot of stuff happen and mystique and we need to talk about mystique more in a minute, but like, it's, oh, yeah, mystique. there, there's a lot of reason why Charles is in a very bad place. His, his dream of, of the future that from first class that was supposed to set up the X-Men didn't because what well, Vietnam war got in the way mm-hmm. and hunting and trafficking and experimenting and all that stuff. <laughs> And I guess the whole like being able to read minds was a was a bad thing for him because, yeah. or at least he thought it was a bad thing when he did, can't read them anymore. I don't know. That kind of didn't necessarily ring true because like, has he ever complained about being able to read minds before? Like, oh, no. they're always bothering me. No, nope. this this guy was like that. But I don't know if that was the drugs talking or because he right. could just be an addict. It felt like he was just a straight up addict at that point at the point of this movie. So, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. Why inject yourself in the first place to lose your power unless you want to? So that was interesting, and I don't really know why he did that. But he definitely did a 180 flip from like groovy mutation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. I think Beast is just a bad influence, man. He's always like trying to get everybody to feel bad about themselves. He's awful, isn't he? (laughs) He's the worst. And he said that this like this was a a, a version of his own seer that he takes to control yeah. his thing. Oh, so, he's so awful, beast! <laughs> what is wrong with you? The makeup looked a little better this time. I thought it did. He looks good. He always he, looks. I mean, he uh, not as beast. He doesn't, but in general, uh, he's the first class beast looked really bad. Really so they bad. Must have cha- they must have changed it for this one. He looked a lot better. I thought, but mm. might have been some combination of digital. It could have been, yeah, or just better prosthetics or something. But uh, totally. better than Kelsey Grammer had in that last scene, right? <laughs> um, it was cool to see Kelsey Grammer, though. I did think, I mean, even though I don't understand that scene, it was cool to see all the people yeah. that they didn't have to get. Like, even for, to me, like, Anna Paquin's appearance was cool because I thought, oh, she just filmed for two minutes because I didn't know about the road cut when I was watching right. it. You know? So I thought, oh, that was really kind of her to just show up and <laughs> just to do a wink and leave. That was neat, but... <laughs> You know, um, oh, she was there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I guess maybe there's maybe, a beast cut. <laughs> the beast cut. <laughs> so I, I guess maybe or... he, uh, maybe with with Xavier having lost his legs and everything, Beast gave him, mm. you know, some form of some form of his drugs to help him walk again. And right. then maybe <sighs> when Xavier realized he was losing his telepathy, he just thought it was worth it. Because he needed his legs and the whole X-Men thing hadn't worked anyway. And then yeah. maybe when the telepathy would come back, that's when I don't, I don't, I'm trying to trying to explain what might have happened with all of that. But the whole the the voices are causing my brain to hurt is definitely a trope of telepathy that I've never seen happen with Xavier. No, but that's a good idea, though, to have it be about his legs. I could see him being obsessed about that. And then maybe, you know, the fact that Beast made it partially out of heroin wasn't such a great idea. Uh, yeah, I think that really the person who's in the wrong most of all here is Beast for sure. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> yeah. And then also it's just kind of like, Xavier, do you really think that it was a good idea to take things? You know, it's like anytime 
the beast hands you something in a syringe, you kind of are like, hey, I'm not down for this party right now. <laughs> like, he always hands you something with a syringe and says, you're never going to be beautiful. All of the time. It's and like, it's dang, like, beast. I'm. This is the part of the night when I go home, beast. I don't want to <laughs> deal with this. I can't deal with you doing this every time I see you. <laughs> uh. Also, also, okay. When you are in the hot and heavy intimate moment, and mm-hmm. she says, "Do you think I can ever be beautiful?" <laughs> this is not the time to like give a rational explanation about global humanity's bigoted perception of mutants. Right. <laughs> this is when you say, "Of course, you're beautiful." He should be he's so lucky. Unless your James McAvoy is Charles Xavier, in which case you need to take the syringe right now. <laughs> right. Beast. All right. So then they go and get the coolest character in the movie and go free the sexiest character in the movie <laughs> from prison. Because he Is that when Mystique freed, freed Alex? Oh, I forgot about that scene. Okay, yeah. So there's also Mystique and so Mystique <laughs> is now a, I guess she and Magneto on the outs because Magneto theoretically killed K- JFK and he's in jail, in plastic jail. <laughs> so she's all by herself and her thing, her mission is to not be an evil mutant who takes over the world, but more like a resistance fighter who like frees mutants from torture and, and being imprisoned falsely and stuff, which is actually a pretty cool gig. Like that's a good guy gig. It's mm-hmm. also pretty similar to what her role is in the comic. Um, she definitely uh takes it pretty far but then also at the same time mystique even in her like freedom force days was all about undermining the government and things like Mm -hmm. that so i would say that there's this scene like she kind of rings true here in a lot of ways yeah i kind of felt like she was the most mystique in this that she had ever been at least in the early parts of the film sure yeah and it, it, it was a nice blending of the aesthetic with her and her fighting and action, everything from the first film that was pretty cool to watch, mm-hmm. blended with her motivations and personality from the comics. Right. But I, I still think Rebecca Remains Stamos just three sentences are more interesting somehow. But yes, that's true. just me. I don't know. I do like that she's like outside of. See, this is where it kind of doesn't gel up again. Like this mystique is supposed to be that mystique later, and that mystique later is fine with like. Magneto probably nuking everybody if he felt like it. And <laughs> right. this mystique is more like, no, I just want to free people from prison. You know, like she's more of a good guy. So mm-hmm. at what point does she, I guess maybe because they capture her and torture her and make sentinels out of her, she becomes more evil. I don't know. It's like, when does that happen? Disconnected. I think yeah. that's kind of the biggest problem with the characterization of mystique in these movies is that even when they try to make her reconcile with her comic book self, there's still kind of a disconnection between it where it's like, or even like her later self. Right. Uh Because that's, I mean, and that's a different mystique too than what we see in the comics a lot of time, but it's definitely, uh, yeah, you see a lot of, well, I mean, I guess she's a shapeshifter, but you do see a lot of different selves with her for sure across like all of these different medias. Yeah. It's probably just because they cast what's her face as the role. So now she's got to be more heroic or something. Yeah, they definitely like centered her so much in the last one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this one, she was no longer doing the whole wearing X Men clothes while being Mystique. She was doing the um, uh-huh. the they the connect. Yeah, um, but I, th- I think it's good they went with a um, they went with a unitard like a body tight suit instead of like everything painted directly on. I disagree um, completely. But yeah, and. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Just because I'm perverted, but go ahead. Anyways, I, I like I like the I I guess I really like the aesthetic of her like the action and just like for some reason the idea of a shapeshifter being able to have such utter control of her body and movements mm-hmm. and everything else and balance and all of that just kind of rang true with me in in some cool ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah really definitely. cool fighting. I think about her sometimes, like, because she can change her voice, her fingerprints, her eyes. Like, she's passed eye things with Cerebro and stuff. It's like, that's got to be more than just shape-shifting. She must have some subconscious telepathic or DNA scanning ability or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Not that they're going to get into that in comics or anything, but... They might. <laughs> it's kind of neat. Like, I, bet, I wonder if she has a secondary power she's not aware of, because... Totally has to. She doesn't secondary just mutation. She doesn't just look at the person and try and match matchy match them. Like she just becomes the person from head mm-hmm. to toe almost. Anyway, uh, this key yeah. moment brought to you by Skittles. Okay. Well, her uh, her attention to detail in the comic is always something that comes up again and again. Where she comes in and is able to read rooms so well, and she's able to observe people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like that's like low level <laughs> telepathy almost yeah. in and of itself. Just being a really sensitive person, you know, could be. But then also, yeah, her they emphasize a lot that she's able to not only physically fit into situations, but say the things that she knows would be very either hurtful or pleasant for you, you know, like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And that, you know, I, I don't disagree with your state, your thought there. I think it sounds pretty smart and good. Uh, so what else we got? We've got um, we talked about Xavier and his drug usage. <laughs> so, yeah, whoa. so the scene where they free Magneto. Yes, I love so much. Yeah. Oh, Quicksilver. And yes. Yes. So so here's the thing. I'm gonna go on a little personal rant, or not a rant, but just whatever. This is what I thought about when I first saw this movie. This is the one thing I really remember. Is like I'm a fan of you know speedsters. That's like a power I really like. Yes. Even though it kind of makes no sense scientifically or anything like that, but I still don't care. I like it. But Real fun. as as much as I am a Marvel boy, I think DC owns the Speedsters. Yeah. Right. Like to me, Flash and Quicks or uh, Max Mercury and Impulse and uh, 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 Johnny and Jesse Quick. All those guys are way more interesting than any Speedster in the Marvel universe, right? Because they like they do speed like like they are speed you know whereas quicksilver to me is more like a guy who can run fast and he'll run around cars to show off to news cameras or something like that yeah totally so so like we've had two quicksilvers we've had age of ultron quicksilver and we've had this movie quicksilver to me age of ultron quicksilver like kind of nailed the comic book version Right. Mm-hmm. You got a guy who's kind of cranky and devoted to his sister. And yeah, he can run really fast when he wants to, but you can still kind of clip him with a gun if he's not paying attention. Yes. Right. Which would never happen to the flash. So this movie comes along and there's this great scene where he comes in and he just basically owns all the cops in it in slow motion. And you see this cool, awesome speedster stuff. And I was thinking on the one hand, this is so awesome. This is amazing. I can't believe they did this. And on the other hand, I was thinking, damn it. Marvel's doing this first, and this should be the Flash <laughs> because this is totally the Flash. This isn't Quicksilver. This is how the Flash works. So, right. like, I both loved and hated that scene when I first saw it because I was really uh, kind of sad that like Marvel beat DC to the punch on that one. Yeah, I can see that. I think Quicksilver is an interesting character just because he does have that vulnerability, and that's really other than his terrible <laughs> attitude problem. That's yeah. what sets him apart from the Flash 
crew and all of them because they they're more kind of omnipotent and that whole yeah. connection to the speed force makes them be able <clears throat> sorry makes them be able to tap into speed you know which Time is very travel. very different yeah vibrate very through different. walls yeah all of that super different than what quicksilver can do but quicksilver right. drops a one-liner like nobody's business so yeah i mean his he, personality is really cool but oh yeah he's a hundred percent you know part of i don't know just that the way that I always view Lorna Dane, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, uh-huh. Magneto, I view them all as just being so disdainful of other people. And I think that that's like the most fun. Speaking of Lorna Dane, John Wilson, mm-hmm. was his sister in your cut? We don't mm-hmm. see the older sister. No, but he had a sister in the house, right? Yeah, so we see the mom, we see the younger sister, and then the uh-huh. mom tells the younger sister to go bug her older sister upstairs. Uh, yeah, I don't think we got that, did we? Mm-mm, I don't remember that uh, part. So there was like a little hint of Lorna Dane in the road cut, I guess. Yeah. And a hint of Scarlet Witch. Oh, cool. yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. That's super cool. Because the older sister would you know, conceivably be possibly at least in the uh, same age as Peter. So anyway, as much as I love that, that scene, and I really do, he didn't seem very Quicksilver-like to me. He seemed more like Impulse or something, but it was really, really fun. Right. It was super fun. I'll give him that. And I agree with you. I think that it's the same. It was basically like, this is a not, it's de- very different from the Age of Ultron Quicksilver mm-hmm. for sure, which definitely like his little like eye rolls in Age of Ultron. Yeah, Age of Ultron. Like, yeah. Quicksilver. Great. Uh, yeah. Dead on. What? So now we have um <laughs> trying to think of another another pl- okay, so the Williams striker in this right um, they had flash flashes over to this all the stuff from Weapon X and X2, but that was like old man striker, right? Uh-huh. So not the same man? Oh, you mean like it's not I thought it was supposed to be the same guy, no? That's a lot of years. That's like fifty <laughs> years of age. Oh. Baffling. Tr- yeah. yeah, good point. That is weird. He even Should says this is a man who's going to cause me a lot of pain. Yeah, just yeah. Stryker's presence. I think in this one it was like to me the most glaring how bizarre Stryker's presence in these movies is. <laughs> but he's William Stryker Jr. Yeah. Oh, so he's supposed to be his son? No, 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 no. That's not. Oh. He's hmm. just a young Stryker. Right? Yeah, that's what well, I thought. I think it yeah, is. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it seems like it should be both. So so we've had Stryker in X2. We've had Stryker in in X-Men Origins Wolverine, a different actor who was slightly younger, like mm-hmm. like 40s, 50s or something like that. Mm-hmm. And now we've got this one. I thought they were all three supposed to be playing the same guy. But I don't know. Right. You're right. That's he is I awfully young looking for a yeah. 70s Stryker. Like, he should be a little older, maybe. But his son was Legion or whatever, so that doesn't work either. Or Mastermind. <laughs> or Master. Well, <laughs> whatever he one. was, he was a mutant that, like, you know, killed the mother and all that. I guess. Right. According, exactly. according to the internet, mm-hmm. um, they are, are supposed to be the same person. This okay. is Josh Hellman as Major William Stryker. Brian uh-huh. Cox played the older version in X Two. Uh-huh. Well, you you're right. Then they really kind of aged him too young on that maybe if you go this, by the yeah. year and also what is his it's to me i'm i look at it again and again and at this point i'm just like why is this the villain <laughs> that they have centered on so much in this 
franchise. Like, this guy shows up in almost every one of the movies, right? After, like, X2. Seems like it. So that is bonkers to me because that is definitely just a one-off villain in the comics, pretty much. He comes back and everything, but also not to this extent. And so, maybe, yeah. Maybe because they all these movies center around Wolverine and Wolverine. Right. He's responsible for Wolverine's creation, so it gives in Wolverine movies, some drama. Yeah, yeah. yeah in, in the, the movies, movies he is. But yeah, the, in the comics, he's the God Loves Man Kills guy. Yeah, and that's like a story. He comes back later, of course, because nobody dies in comics, but baffling to me, kind of. I think this was the one, because I've gone through these with a pretty good sense of humor about it and been like, all right, Stryker here again. And now I was like, wait, why is Stryker always here? <laughs> it's like, we need, we need a guy who, who hates mutants. Oh, we'll use that guy again. I guess we'll just bring Stryker right on back in. <laughs> But then, you know, the end, not to keep dwelling on continuity, but the end, it's like, it's Mystique. And then you wonder, so what does that mean? Did she put the metal in Wolverine? That was a weird baby switch. That was a weird baby switch. Because, like, William Stryker pulls him out of the ocean. You're like, oh. So now he can go off and be Weapon Exified or something. Yeah. But it's it's not Stryker. It's Raven. So I don't know. I think they did too many bait and switches is the problem. Because if they didn't do that little mystique blink with him at the end, we would have all just assumed that, yeah, this is where Wolverine gets taken to get, you know, adamantiumed. Mm-hmm. And this is the new version. This is the new X-Men origins. This is how they get him, you know, and we would have and been it fine. Would kind of set up the little cameo we get in the next movie. Yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> Oy. Anyway. So uh, this movie is so amazing. Yes. Except that there are definite plot holes. Yes, the, Which pot, is the why plot holes are bonkers. <laughs> I feel this is like this is like Exhibit A and how plot holes can be huge and glaring, but not necessarily kill the film. Totally, because like the film still works on a macro level. Like, mm-hmm. like you go from scene A to scene B to scene C, and it, it just flows along and works. And like, I'm super engaged the entire time. Yeah, totally. Um, all the scenes were fun. Them and, sending Bishop back instead of uh, uh, Rachel was bonkers to me. Or sorry, instead of Kitty was bonkers to me. The uh, the fact that Trask is the one who Mystique is going after was bonkers to me. Uh, there was a few things where it, it just was baffling. They, they really could have had Rachel in this, right? I know. <laughs> like, it wouldn't have made any more sense than it made in X-Men 141. Totally. Like, it we have. didn't learn who that Rachel was for years. Yeah, it took a minute. Or yeah. we don't know we don't learn who Bishop is either. So what's the difference? Right. Yeah. I, do, you, do you guys ever think about that? Like like I'm watching these movies and it's like, ooh, Bishop, and you clap your hands, you know, because I know who Bishop is. But like right. if you're just a general, you know, non-comic, I kinda like going to comic book movies. Do you think they get thrills seeing characters that they're not really introduced to or learn anything about or do you think no. it's just confusing <laughs> i think that they just go oh that's that plot device because i think right. that they kind of they set it up in that way right where it's just yeah. they fill in whatever plot device with whichever character and then that's kind of definitely yeah. for it's like such a fan base thing because we all want to be like oh snap bishop oh wow right. you know right. and it's the, like the, lip service it, to us but. it's totally lip service too because there's no depth to it we don't get to figure out who bishop is at all <laughs> so yeah. bishop is there to be sent back in time uh-huh. um blink is there blink. because of the, the portals fighting and and yes. using her 
Um, Sunspot is there to communicate easily visually that uh-huh. they are able to fight powers with opposite powers. Yep. Same for Iceman. So you have the one guy who turns fiery against Iceman and the one guy who turns icy against Sunspot. And that communicates to us at the beginning of the movie what's going on. Yep. Um, and then there was so, another yeah, guy. all the was new characters. Oh, Warpath was there. He was yeah. like tracker yeah. and could see stuff. And Right. See, yeah. sometimes even the lip service, I don't even get. <laughs> like, I wasn't even sure that was supposed to be Sunspot. I kind of thought it was. But they also did like this molten lava thing with him, which is not really his thing. So he's more of uh, a strong guy. So I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be Sunspot, but it also seemed like it was. But they don't really say, do they? They do I call don't... him Sunspot explicitly. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> um. There's, yeah, there he is, Sunspot, and Adan Canto, whoever that is. There's the uh, upside down coffin ships that the <laughs> yeah. that the um, Sentinels fly in, and yeah. every time I see them, I'm reminded of the line from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's from early on, whenever the Vogons have come to Earth, and the description is their ships hung in the air. Much in the way that gold bricks don't. <laughs> and I feel like that is the case with these ships. Yeah. These ships do not look like they should be floating, but they are. Yep. They should be falling down, but they're not. They have anti-grab <laughs> plates, whatever that is. They hang in the way they hang in the air the way that big bricks do not. Right. Um but yeah, so I don't like scrounging around trying to find stuff to talk about this movie. Well, okay, how about we haven't talked about Magneto. What's kind of interesting about him is he's willing to kill Mystique because he believes Wolverine that the future is going to be bad if she lives and does that thing. So, you know, once again, he's willing to be the evil guy. That's very true. Um, Uh, He is really fun to watch in this movie like he has been usually. uh He was super entertaining. When he goes back to get his helmet, I was like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> that was what, a what, very cool sequence what do we think of the idea that jfk was a mutant do you think he was lying first of all because <laughs> i'm not i've seen this movie multiple times and i'm still never sure if he was really trying to kill jfk or if he was really trying to save jfk and jfk is a mutant i don't think magneto had anything to gain from lying there except i guess xavier's respect yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But how did how did he screw up saving him then because he accidentally veered it the wrong direction right into his head he was know. taken down as he was manipulating the bullet. Oh, okay. Yeah, so JFK just kind of being up in this movie was fascinating. Uh, What's his mutant power? <laughs> oh, great I'm question. very curious. I wish they would have told us. I, I think about that sometimes. Is there anything that I could think of that... I mean, it could be anything. It could be putting a spot on the wall, for all I know. But <laughs> Maybe he has, like, mutant charisma or something. Okay, yeah, sure. Sounds good. There you go, right? <laughs> His charisma stat is high on the chart. That's why he's like one of the most popular presidents of all time, because he had like this mutant ability to win people over or something. I'm here for it. That's fine. I'm good with it. He wins all the persuasion roles in (laughs) D&D. Yep. Gets all the ladies, all that stuff. Yeah. That was another part of this movie where I was just, all right, JFK. (laughs) JFK. Well, it's kind of a cool idea. Like, how else could the bullet you know, curve. And it's like, okay, there you go. That explains the weird grassy knoll business that nobody can explain. <laughs> kind of neat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's weird just how many people are there 
at JFK. Like, I think when you watch the video of the parade, you have those like crowds of people on either side. I think they're all just there either to kill JFK or to <laughs> like keep him from being killed. I think that's how the whole parade happened in the first place. <laughs> so here's something that I just noticed the, for the first time watching this is, you know, as much as Wolverine is front and center for all these movies, except for first class. Um, and even in this movie, he takes on the role of being the guy who goes back yeah. in time. You'll do notice that the final act with the confrontation with Magneto, while he is there for a few minutes, he gets tossed into the water and we never see him again. So it's like yes. he does, he's not the star of the finale, the one who like takes care of business. Like that's Beast, Professor X, and ultimately Mystique. Uh-huh. So I thought that was kind of a cool decision, I guess, to just take him out and let someone else do something once in a while. Totally. Yeah, Especially he, since he's got complete metal from head to toe, and how the heck could he stop Magneto anyway? <laughs> yeah, I think they had to. They just sat da- back on that one and were like, you know what? I think we need him not to be in this scene. It was cool whenever Magneto put those beams through him. Though. Oh You're just my like, gosh. oh my god! I know that was, that was torturous. That yes. was honestly to me that was the oh. strongest emotional response I had, other than being like, "What's up with Kitty Pride? Come on, you guys." Uh, was definitely be watching Wolverine just get like savage. Basically, you're just like ah. Retraction. Please. He does not have metal from head to toe in that part. I forgot. So yeah, he I, actually, I was debating whether or not to correct you. He, he he's going to be more. Movie. He could be more effective against Magneto in this, mo- this movie than any other movie. So oh, and they still right. toss him out. They still toss him out. So that oh, was. Oh cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was excruciatingly cool. Loved it. Watch. <laughs> Not to mention picking up the entire baseball stadium and like dumping it just to show off. That was yeah, pretty. yeah. Who would you say is the highlight of this movie? Because I'm gonna probably go with Magneto on this one. He was he was like diva incarnate in this. He oh was yeah, so such a yeah. diva. Loved it. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. T- to me, this is this is the height of the franchise. This is. I mean, even though it's bonkers with the plot holes yeah, and, and there are weird things with how it fits with the franchise, I don't think that we have seen X-Men films get any better than this one. It was super engaging. Um, oh, and one thing, whenever they announced First Class mm-hmm. and they announced that they were doing younger versions and younger actors of all the characters, mm-hmm. even back then I was like, oh, they could do Days of Future Past <laughs> with the uh-huh. two generations of X-Men. Mm-hmm. And they did it, and they pulled it off. And yeah, you have to ignore the details of the continuity to make it work. You, like Patrick Stewart is sitting there, when I was a young man, <laughs> and like it doesn't work because the the Xavier we know from him could never have been mm-hmm. um, the other Xavier. But you know, if you just forget that, <laughs> and let the story happen. I think it works really well. And yeah. um, I I really love the scene, or I really loved that they figured out a way to have the two Xaviers talk too. I thought that was really cool. That was yes. Fun. Going I did through like that. Wolverine to talk telepathically to each other. That was neat. <laughs> yeah, and they greeted each other by name. They weren't like you're me, you're me. And I was like, hello, Charles. Patrick Stewart was all, oh, I remember when I was younger and used to think I had to touch my face to make my powers work. 
<laughs> well, it's a groovy you'll, mutation. You'll get over that someday. <laughs> someday you'll just put your hand down and read their minds without that. But that's oh, wait, that's, that's where Cyclops got it from. The whole what? touch your head to make your powers work. He got it from Xavier. Oh, there has you go. Has to be. Has to be. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. This was actually super entertaining in ways that were very disconnected. I think because you have a ton of great explosive moments, and then yeah, as as most of this conversation has been so far, we're like, uh, it doesn't connect to anything. <laughs> you can't always make it connect, but it's really fun to watch all of these characters do what they're going to do. Those scenes with Mystique were good, I think. Um, and just the scenes, as you said, the scene with Quicksilver was so visually captivating. You know, mm-hmm. we keep seeing these really good scenes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it? It's like, is it a good script that we're talking about? Maybe not always, but it's also has just packs those moments in. So in a way, this really is the end game of X Men because it kind of is. Yeah, it's like end it, game doesn't make fun. any sense either. You know, nope. but those those moments they totally just push moment after moment after moment and it just kind of keeps that one tear rolling down your cheek while you watch mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But what did you all think of the end of this movie? Restoring the timeline? Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand it. But I mean, it, and it I, felt like undermining somehow. Like it undid everything we've we've dramatically watched them go through. You know, like in said, a way. if it feels like it's it's setting up the ideal of what X Men X Two and The Last Stand like. If things had not gone wrong in those films, this is the world we would be living in. Right. Um. They're they're giving us a classic straight up when you say x-men this is what it's supposed to be kind of setting um and yet we've never been in this setting you know uh-huh. we so it's like i don't know it's kind of weird storm yeah. got to talk that's true she's <laughs> teaching she a class she taught a class that's she's teaching a class and she had one line in one of the action scenes so that's what's weird about this movie also or all these movies of course is like it's full of stars that we know have have uh run other movies uh-huh. you know and succeeding in running other movies and yet are always like so on the back burner on these movies and yet continue to star in them yeah so it's like so it's like you're watching this going wow that's academy award winner halle berry as storm <laughs> again not talking or having any character development although oh. the special effects look really good in this one and True. that's really cool it's really cool to watch her fight all these sentinels i gotta say oh, yeah yeah, yeah. That was and then one it's of my like favorite parts that's Kelsey Grammer who just walked by and he had one line. That's Anna Paquin. What the heck? There's Ellen, <laughs> there's Ellen Page just sweating for two hours. This is weird. It's but... hilarious. They're just handing out checks and the actors yeah. are like, okay, I guess I'll show up. I guess I'll show up. So so here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. And funny is in not so funny. Wolverine's like, okay, Charles, promise me one thing. Promise <laughs> me you'll find us. You'll bring us together. Remember these names. Scott, Jean, Storm. Like, Storm's okay. not her name. Like, when you find her, Wait. she's not called Storm. <laughs> did that happen for you, us? Did it happen? Or is that, a, or is that a rogue thing? Because I don't remember that. That was did on that the happen? plane. Um, mm-hmm. As they were heading either into or out of, I guess it would have been into the, the last big fight. Wow. I don't think any of the footage of the film has been changed except for the stuff with Rogue at the end. Yeah, okay. that, 
I'm pretty sure I remember this, but okay. this whole this this one has me questioning what Yeah, I know. It's is. like I don't know if I saw that, but maybe I just blinked. I don't know. Yeah, that happens a lot with this one. Mm-hmm. It's it's while they're on the plane, they're both kind of sitting there in chairs, sort of like catty corner facing each other. Mm-hmm. And um Logan tells Charles, you know, promise me you'll you know, you'll bring you'll gather us together, you'll find us. <laughs> Gene, oh. Scott. That other one. Yeah. I don't know her actual name, (laughs) but eventually you're going to know her as Storm. So just remember that. Find Beast. (laughs) Oh, we already know Beast. Never mind. (laughs) He's uh, literally your dealer. (laughs) 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 Professor Uh, X definitely has him on speed dial. If speed dial was a thing in the 70s. What's wrong with you, Beast? You should be Uh, happy. Anyway. That was that good line. What's the internet? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> if i ever try to convince somebody that we're in the past i'm gonna say well, what's the internet <laughs> <laughs> that's the most oh. obvious line dude I'm, i teach algebra right uh-huh so like uh, uh an equation that talks about like how much you have to pay for your cell phone like how many texts you get for a certain amount of money each month. <laughs> they have no connection to that because all of their phones have unlimited calling and unlimited texts. <laughs> right. These are 13 year olds who do not know the pain of paying a hundred dollars to talk on the phone for a thousand minutes that month. Like <laughs> that's all you got 1000 minutes for the entire month for a hundred dollars. And you had to pay for your texts. <laughs> I feel oh, like, well. I feel like, and maybe it's not true, but I feel like our generation is kind of like, got the most advanced you know or a dichotomy between what we had when we were kids versus what they have now right like if you think about all the things that have changed since i was eight or whatever it's like my kids don't know any of it it's weird like they don't know what a vcr is or a house phone (laughs) or you know with a cord or i'm friends with like a ton of hipsters so i know that i know vcrs really well (laughs) there's Uh still people who are out here like collecting them and waiting for them to make a comeback but yeah that's totally true these days because i grew up with a rotary phone but it only was there for the first you know seven years of my life or something so there's like a video of these parents trying to or telling their kids, can you figure out how to dial this phone? And it's a <laughs> rotary phone. And it was literally like a five minute video that's really fascinating to watch them try and figure <laughs> out how this could work. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but not but not X-Men. Um, um, you know what else I noticed in this? And it's probably because I'm watching these back to back for the first time mm-hmm. for this show is it's kind of sad that like, you know, in first class, Magneto walks away with um uh, um, what's his face is bad guys because they all decide to join him in the end. Um, Sebastian Shaw's bad guys, right? Mm-hmm. And then in this movie, I don't think I ever noticed this before, but he's flipping through the book and they're all dead because they've been caught and experimented on and killed and stuff. Even the uh, That's you know right. the the good winged moth girl that defected, whatever her name Angel. was, I forget. Yeah, Angel. Yeah. So, and it showed pictures of all that. It's like, ooh, there's some continuity that's horrible. Like, was Emma in that <laughs> file? Oh, I don't I thought know. I, remember, I thought I remembered seeing her, but I did not notice her this time around. Hmm. I didn't notice it. I don't know. I know that is that demon that um, Nightcrawler guy was. Azazel. <laughs> Azazel <laughs> and Angel. I'm not sure. Oh, or uh, um, I thought Banshee was in there too, wasn't he? Maybe. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But there was like, I just was kind of like, oh, I can't believe they showed us like 
these you know autopsy pictures of characters <laughs> that are just dead. Yeah, and we we save Alex Summers at the beginning, stick him on a helicopter, and send him off, and that's all she wrote. Yep. Yeah. So that was kind of weird. Yeah, the the they didn't really bring anything back from those film from that film except for the new Mystique. Yeah, and also to be like, yeah, oh, they're dead, <laughs> which is that's okay. a good point. I didn't realize that. What the heck happened to Havoc? How weird! He just escaped. Tender. He went to go see Havoc. if he really does have a younger brother. X Men Origins Havoc. Yeah, and I don't know. Does he sh- does he show up again later? I don't think so. Don't think so. Not, that, not that I'm aware of, but I haven't seen uh, the last one. Uh, then no. <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't think he's in Apocalypse, which is where he meets Scott. Right. No, I don't think so. I guess we'll find out soon. In a couple I think, months. I, I think the people in this movie carry forward because we're going to have Quicksilver, Mystique again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then we get like a new Storm and a Psylocke and all that stuff. Spoilers for those who haven't watched it. Right. <laughs> um, new Angel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're coming up on the hour mark. I think we've just passed the hour mark. So any other burning thoughts from the film that you want to share? Hmm. <laughs> I think it's like you guys said, I think it's probably, I mean, barring me completely loving Dark Phoenix, which I haven't seen, I think it, this is probably the biggest and still good X-Men movie that we've got. Because mm-hmm. spoilers, I don't like the next big movie that much. But uh, oh. but uh, yeah, it is weird. The continuity makes me scratch my head, but I think all the scenes are really fun and I think it moves from one fun scene to the next. So it's really like a good watch. It doesn't bore me or anger me or anything. It's like, cool. I don't know. It's just really cool. And it does have a lot of comic book fan service. If you know the characters and stuff, they don't get into it because they never do, but it's still kind of neat to see a live action Bishop or a, you know, whatever. So I enjoy it. I think it's cool. I do think it's kind of interesting that like the last movie to me, like the Logan movie we covered or not Logan, the Wolverine felt more like, down to earth and real and this movie is just like over the top you know cgi everywhere crazy big budget but it's fun it is fun and i think that a lot of the characters that i've been kind of frustrated with i was less frustrated with in this i didn't really mind mystique as much as i have before Mm -hmm. like the last movie of course i was disappointed in her i think and in this one i was just kind of like all right whatever (laughs) this is fine (laughs) like i'm having a fun time i don't know if it's good you know i don't know if she's doing a good job it doesn't really matter it's great you know Mm. whatever this cool it tastes amazing yeah that's kind of how i felt (laughs) about most of this movie where it was kind of like I'm in an in-between spot. I know that the next ones I'm probably, well, I like Deadpool, but the next ones after that, you know, Apocalypse and all that, I'm going to have disappointment over, I imagine. And then there's the ones before, which we've already gone through. But this one, I was kind of like, yeah, I guess this franchise is good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but it's good. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's good. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't yes. put that on a peanut butter jar, but yeah. Well, <laughs> I think I think from um, the latest episode of Bitches on Comics, what we really need more in these X-Men films is more gay. Absolutely. Because, I mean, we have the gay icons of Iceman and Kitty Pride in here. And, and they're kissing each other. They're kissing each other, which is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's cool. But like, also, it's kind of like... Yeah, these movies do too much have, sometimes. <laughs> have we had any live action superhero 
gay yet or no? No, we had that. No. S- I was I was going to say something bitingly critical of the gay character in Endgame, but <laughs> I guess we can save that for another podcast. Uh, we have, you know, that, I guess, and uh, Valkyrie, whose gay scenes were cut, but we're going to probably see more of it in the next film. I'm oh, guessing. I didn't. I didn't hear about cutscenes from her. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, and they were just kind of. She talks about her her fallen friend or whatever. That's all. Mm. We're talking standard Xena warrior princess subtext on that uh-huh. one. Uh huh. <laughs> right. Right. But it was definitely. Uh, from what I understand, they had a scene that was basically just her walking out of a girl's bedroom or something. Oh. You know, same same thing. Total subtext, but. Uh, I don't think it made it to the final cut. And then, of course, you know, Tessa Thompson's out here pushing for Valkyrie to have a wife in the next movie. So, uh, you know, I think hopefully we can count on her to help push that along. But, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, most of the most of the people involved in the next Thor movie seem pretty on board with it. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, so far we've only had that incredibly offensive scene in Endgame, actually, where it's a... them really patting themselves on the back for doing the just it would have been easier for you to just not do it kind of situation where it's like oh yeah here's Fair yeah God. i don't i don't even remember what scene you're talking about but it's I've in also the counseling yeah. scene oh that that guy yeah where it's That's just like right. oh i have a boyfriend and uh-huh. then they're like guess what everybody in in game we have the first marvel gay character <laughs> and you're just you watch it and you go oh uh, but he doesn't that's have your spandex about. yeah did yeah. they did they talk about it before it happened it was i think the day of or like the week of release or something they were like oh and don't forget so, so they made it sound like it's a really important character and it's just a dude in a counseling i, think I never what's up i was i didn't mean to catch you off I, I never heard anything about it and then it just happened. And I, I actually thought that like, I don't know if you're going to have a character who's talking about going on a date, why mm-hmm. not make him gay? Yeah. Right. Because you can't, there's only so much you can do with all of your established relationships and established sexualities. I mean, obviously you can do a lot, but there's only <laughs> so much they're going to do. Right. Um, so having, having this just kind of, you know, random guy talking about a date and, Oh, it's with another guy. Oh, cute. Okay. Yeah, but um, that was just my take. Yeah, but if That's... they announced if they announced it beforehand, it's probably disappointing that because they made it sound like it was going to be one of the you know main superhero characters or something. And it's just disappointing in general because you're dealing with a ton of characters that have years of subtext, or you have characters that actually mm. are gay, like Iceman. You know, mm-hmm. just I mean, for somebody to be like check this out, you know, or also even if you just go in and it's like, yeah, of course it's great to see this like minor character, but it's also pretty offensive to see the most minor character (laughs) of the movie. (laughs) The safest. Yeah. Like, like if you're not paying attention, you don't even notice that he said it. Yeah. They could have just cut it. And then also I was talking to Stephanie Williams pretty recently about, she was like, I thought, Oh, Steve is going to talk about Bucky. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a gay men's counseling group is what it yeah. kind of looks like. And then you're just like, oh, no, they're just doing this, the typical stuff that they do. Never mind. But no, they haven't had any gay characters. It's a bit of a sore subject, you might have noticed. Well, they barely do in comics either. So like, Fair it's going to take forever for the movies to even catch up to that, probably. Good God. I hope that Wiccan gets introduced. Hulkling and Wiccan would be really good. Hey, oh, we yes. need a new Hulk. So why not? 
Yes. Maybe the visions when he gets reprogrammed or whatever will end up gay, and that'll really cause some tension for the Scarlet Witch Vision TV show. That was such a bonkers comic to begin with because it's such an allegory for being gay. It's totally the android and the mutant try to make it in the suburbs. You know, uh-huh. we're just as regular as all of you. You know, like that kind of stuff happens through the whole thing. So that's already something that's very queer coded in a very strange way because it's definitely a straight couple <laughs> and then but it's also oh our neighbors don't like us living here because we're yeah. an alternative relationship <laughs> yep. it's like huh this is odd well on that note. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't derail at all no so, this is like a derailable movie though in all fairness yeah right it derails itself often enough yeah we mentioned it briefly uh, before the next big X-Men team film of X-Men Apocalypse, just a few months before, like the same year, was the first Deadpool film. Deadpool! It's kind of hard to believe, like, having done X-Men Origins Wolverine literally five minutes ago, that we're <laughs> already at the actual Deadpool film. So, um, not entirely sure if that's going to come at you in December or that's going to be in January, but the next time we get together, it'll be Deadpool. And yeah. So, um, Sarah, thank you again so much. Yes. Thank you. I loved talking about this baffling movie. <laughs> what, um, what do you, what have you been writing about lately? Well, actually lately I just got finished having my first fiction short story published in a book called the new flesh, which is a literary tribute to David Cronenberg which you can check out on Weird Punk Books. Wow. Yeah. You have a title. What was the title again? The New Flesh, which is a it's a reference to the movie Videodrome. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that was really exciting. And then, of course, all the regular stuff that you see me on, which is, you know, I'll be on Sci-Fi Fangirls writing articles sometimes. And then, of course, Bitches on Comics, the podcast where I talk about... <laughs> All of this kind of stuff. Yep. You and S are doing a great job over there. Good, good stuff. Thank you. Um, And Mike, I guess we have another episode out there probably (laughs) talking about some comics. We always have another episode. (laughs) We are a constant, a Friday constant. Yes. So far, anyway. People say that they depend upon us. So I I I think we're we're fulfilling a community service. I know. The pressure, the pressure. I'm really excited to listen to your new episode that has Journey into Mystery, I think, number 115. I'm that was what happens in 115. I honestly don't remember, but you're just in that you're in that area of Journey into Mystery that I start to be like, oh, I know what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, the Kirby for me, Kirby Chronicles, basically. Yeah, so that's the one that I have on my queue right now. So I'll listen to it later whenever I'm painting. That's Absorbing Man. Ah, right. Okay, awesome. I love it when Absorbing Man shows up. Right. This is yeah. This is our his first Absorbing Man story. So yeah, that that's um, as as Sarah's talking about the recent episode. That was a a week or two back. But uh, there's another episode out there, so you should go listen to that. And um, we'll be back next week for more comics, and next month or two for more movies. Um, probably going to do a mailbag here soon because it's been a while, like three (laughs) whiles since our last mailbag episode. But until then, thank you all for listening, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.